Good morning, Cornerstone Church, and Merry Christmas. And for those of you who are going to head out of Boston this week, um, I guess Happy New Year too, but mostly Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, church family. This morning we are going to continue our Advent exploration of joy at the birth of our Messiah. And we begin with the for many of you, the very, very, very familiar words of Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. There were others that came later. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went, they didn't have a choice, all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Hang on, I'll get there. He was of the house and lineage of David, so he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was also with child. So as I prepared for the message, and I thought about those first couple verses of Luke 2, I realized how messed up the world was in first century Palestine. The census of Julius Caesar was to collect taxes so that the Romans could continue to oppress the people they were taxing. It would be a little bit as if, um, if Russia, um, you know, made the Ukrainians pay taxes so that they could wear, pay, pay for the war of Russia against Ukraine. Much like today, then too, the oppressed and the conquered often had to pay their oppressors and their conquerors. Like in so many places today, fear of the army was normal in first century Palestine. The Romans were merciless, and they did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Political leaders could commit massacres on a whim. As you all know, it would only be a short while till King Herod declared that all the baby boys born around Bethlehem in this time period were to be murdered. They were innocents. And then as now, right? Innocents seem like they just get caught up in the evil of the world. And then, as now, there were merchants of death, people who had weapons who could do whatever they wanted to kill, maim, and destroy. But the army wasn't the only group to fear. There were also terrorists. The terrorists were called zealots, and they were trying to rise up against the Roman Empire. And if innocent people got killed on the way by, then that was just too bad. For Mary and Joseph, like for so many people in 2022, political leaders forced unwanted people migrations. And as always, then and now, it was always hardest for pregnant women and nursing mothers. It wasn't cute that Mary delivered Jesus in a barn and put him in a feeding trough. It wasn't cute at all, it was hard. Syria is mentioned in those first few verses of Luke 2. It's still a hot spot today, as it was then. 
And while Joseph and Mary were not yet refugees, they were homeless when Jesus was born. And it wouldn't be very long till they be, would become refugees, fleeing to Egypt to get away from oppressive government. And religious leaders, then as now, were corrupt. There were Jewish religious leaders who were complicit with the occupying empire. And I know I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but um, it's all there in first century Palestine. Racial inequity, income inequity, homelessness, forced people migrations, refugee crises, human trafficking and slavery, extreme poverty, oppression, wars, killing, maiming, and destroying. A lot like the news of 2022. And even though most of us hearing this message are really only facing first world problems as privileged people, all we have to do is open our eyes and it's easy to see that it's a lot easier to be discouraged and to experience sadness when we look at the world than it is to experience joy in our world. And it was into this tumultuous world of first century Palestine that Jesus was born, angels appeared, and shepherds responded. Luke continues in verse 6, and he says, And while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I don't know, but it feels like there should be a pause at this point. It feels like we shouldn't run over that. Almost like a New Testament Selah where we pause and think of these things. So maybe close your eyes and just reflect on the humanity of it all. Imagine Mary's labor started while they were still on the donkey trying to get to Bethlehem. And imagine maybe once they find a place, Joseph makes preparations while Mary is ongoing in the process of labor. Then maybe imagine the birth itself and the first cry of Jesus, the Son of God. Then maybe imagine the moments after the birth when the baby and his first-time mother are resting and Joseph is somewhere nearby. What might Mary and Joseph have been thinking and feeling? Let's pause for a moment and meditate on the humanity of it all and meditate on the divinity of it all. It's kind of utterly amazing that we're still talking about it thousands of years later. Then Luke continues with what seems like a tangent but actually becomes integral to the story. Luke says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> With Mary and Joseph in the barn, 
And then he introduces shepherds. Now, about those shepherds, it is fantasy to think that the shepherds were like nice, benign, middle-class um, bystanders who function as ex extras in the nativity scenes. That, that's all fantasy. In reality, in first century Palestine, shepherds were unskilled workers. And these shepherds were unskilled workers pulling the midnight shift. If you were competent in anything in first century Palestine, you were not a shepherd. And you were not in the middle of the night watching the sheep. Shepherds were not known as nice people. They were not particularly bright very often. And they were considered completely untrustworthy. It was against the law for shepherds to give testimony in legal courts because they were considered so untrustworthy. They were shifty, they were undependable, they were unreliable, and they smelled a lot like sheep. Isn't it intriguing that the birth of the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, was announced first to a bunch of shifty, smelly, second-rate bystanders on one of the lowest rungs of human significance. Yet it was to these uneducated, unkempt, unreliable, undesirable shepherds that the majestic angel hosts of heaven sang a concert about good news of great joy. Luke 2.9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's got to be one of the understatements of human history, right? They were filled with great fear. And the terminology says they were filled with, they had a fear that was a mega fear. So this was, was you know, they're just, they're just minding their own business like they've always done before. And then shazam! And an angel of the Lord is on the scene. Now, about those angels. It's also a fantasy to think of angels as precious, sweet, cute, cute chubby-cheeked cherubs. In the Bible, angels are never precious, cute, chubby-cheeked cherubs. Ever, ever, ever. In reality, angels in the Bible are so awe-inspiring that the first thing they have to say to almost everybody when they show up is, don't be afraid. Because they, they cause like this heart-stopping awe and fear when they show up with messages from God. And the angel showed up that night, and the text said that they feared with mega fear. In the Bible, it's always a terrifying thing to have an angel show up and disrupt your life. But there's something else in verse 9 that I think that way too often we completely miss. Luke also says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, that's code language what the, for what the Old Testament calls the Shekinah glory of the Lord. When Luke says that the glory of the Lord shone around them, what he meant is that God, the creator of the universe, the most high God, he wasn't someplace else on the other, other side of the universe or in some other universe. The most high God creator of the universe was present in all of his awe and burning 
glory. It wasn't just the angel that caused fear in the shepherds, but God himself was present at the announcement of the birth of his son. Luke continues and says that the angel said to them, what they always say when they start, right? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in the major. All right. About this angel's message. What was so significant that the Most High God creator of the university showed up that night when it was announced? The message was very simply, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. The message was good news in the messed up world then as it is today. And the message was to counteract and counterbalance and overwhelm all of the bad news that is in the world and has ever been in the world. And that good news trumps all the bad news ever in the world. And the message is good news of great joy. You know, the shepherds had mega fear, literally. <laughs> um, the, the joy that the angel mentions is mega joy. It was great joy in a world filled with lots of sorrow to a bunch of people who didn't have a lot of reason to be happy or joyful in their lives. It was a mega joy that was designed to overcome sorrow and sadness and brokenness and injustice. And this good news of great joy was for everybody. It was for all people. In a world, essentially most of the time in our world, most people are excluded. They're left out. But this good news of great joy wasn't just for one group of people. It wasn't just for the rich or the beautiful or the educated or the successful. This is good news of great joy for all people. No one ever need be excluded from this joy is what the angel announced. And what was the good news of great joy for all people? Just one word. It was Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, Christ the Lord, is God's good, good, good news of great, great, great joy for all people, excluding no one. Luke continues, because of all of a sudden, after the angel announces it, all of a sudden, we read this, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying what we sang just earlier, Glory to, the God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Evidently, the um, good news of great joy 
wasn't just for all people, but it was for the angels as well. And I just picture that as soon as the announcement's made, then the rest of them just can't help. The angels have been watching human history since it began. And when the announcement is made that Jesus is born, they just have to show up and sing their concert. And then, in one of the classic God-orchestrated reversals of human fortune, Unkempt, uneducated, unreliable, undesirable, shifty, smelly, second-rate bystanders on the lowest rung of human significance take center stage in the greatest drama on the greatest night of the human race. And then those shepherds, those smelly, uneducated, unkempt, unreliable shepherds, they then show us how to respond to the good news of great joy for all people. Like the shepherds, we too can pursue Jesus. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I'm pretty sure after they kind of got their, their breath back, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love this next phrase. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Because they got it that Jesus was God's good news of great joy for all people, they didn't dilly-dally. They didn't delay. They rushed, they made haste to pursue Jesus. The shepherds pursued Jesus, and we can too. I want to be as excited as the shepherds that Jesus is with us, that Jesus is for us. Not just, you know, in church, not, certainly not just at Advent, not just every once in a while. I want to have that, that urgency about pursuing Jesus every day of my life. So this week, what will you do to follow the shepherd's example and pursue Jesus? What will you do? You don't have to do anything. You can let your life be what it has always been. Or you can imitate the shepherds and intentionally pursue Jesus. And as we're coming to the end of this calendar year and about to begin a new calendar year, what will you do intentionally? What spiritual practices will you nurture? Will you develop? Will you what practices will you do to urgently pursue Jesus day by day? So first of all, like the shepherds, we too can pursue Jesus. Secondly, this Advent, like the shepherds, we too can share the good news about Jesus. It's verse 17. And when they saw Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them. That this is good news of great joy for all people. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Who could you? tell this Christmas that Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. And can I encourage you to do something? 
can I encourage you to have a written list of the people in your life for whom you're looking for an opportunity to share with them that Jesus is God's good news of great joy for all people. Because it's amazing how often when we start praying for specific people in our life, it's amazing how often that all of a sudden we become aware of opportunities to share with them about Jesus. And let's not limit our sharing about Jesus to words, right? Maybe in your small group this week, you can brainstorm creative ways to share good news about Jesus by your actions. Who can you serve? What opportunities can you create to show kindness and honor and respect? Who will you intentionally try to bring joy to this Christmas? Like the shepherds, we can share that Jesus is good news. And we have no idea how much God can change people's lives and change generations of people's families when we share with one person the good news about Jesus. All it takes is one person to share the good news with some people in your life and they could turn their life over to Jesus, change their lives and their eternal destiny forever, change their relationships, change their world, change their marriage, change their family, change their children. We have no idea the power that could be unleashed if we would tell someone that Jesus is good news for all people, great good news for all people. So who, who can you pray about? Who can you courageously find a way to tell them that Jesus is still God's good news. And then thirdly, this Advent, like the shepherds, we can rejoice with great joy, glorifying and praising God. Um, at the last verse of the, um, of the song that we sang right before um, the announcements, I just, I mean, I agree with you, Danny. I just stopped singing so I could hear your voices praising God and worshiping him. We're told in verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And in the biblical accounts of Christmas, everyone who was in on what was going on, none of the people who were in on it could hold back their praise and their glorifying of God. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when he could finally speak, he started his song called the Benedictus. He started it with, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And as Pastor Danny read just at the beginning of the service, and we saw last week, Mary couldn't hold back her joy and praise for God. She began the Magnificat with, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The army of heaven's angels, they couldn't hold back their joy in what is called the Gloria. They sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. As followers of Jesus this Advent, we too can choose to glorify and praise God with songs of great 
joy. In my sermon a couple weeks ago, I shared that I plan to keep an Advent journal of joy in my life, just to observe joy in my own life. And so this last week, I read through the first, the last two weeks, the first two weeks of my Advent journal, and I discovered something that I didn't know I was going to discover. I discovered that when I noticed and attended to joy in my life, I seem inevitably to be filled with songs of praise and glory for God. It appears that when we choose joy, we can't help but sing praise and give glory to God, our Heavenly Father, for Jesus, our Heavenly Savior. In conclusion, dear beloved Cornerstone Church family, I pray that each of us this Christmas will imitate the smelly, uneducated shepherds who watched their flocks by night, the night that Jesus was born. I pray that we will pursue Jesus daily for the rest of our lives. I pray that we will find creative ways to share that Jesus is still good news of great joy for everyone. And I pray that we will choose joy in our lives so that we are filled with songs of praise and then that we would join in the choirs of saints and angels singing glory to God in the highest for the rest of our lives. So Cornerstone Church, let's run to see Jesus. Let's run to tell others about Jesus. And let's run to joy so that we will sing glory to God in the highest forever. Amen. Pastor Daniel.